Well, let me begin by saying good morning again and welcome, though now not only to those of you who are here in our traditional sanctuary, but welcome also especially now to those of you who are joining us in our contemporary service and via broadcast. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm glad that we're all able to be together as one church family learning from God's Word together, even if we can't all be in the same physical place at the same time. And we're going to be learning from the Bible together as each week. And I want to invite you, if you don't have a Bible with you or have one on your phone or your tablet, if you'd like to borrow one and follow along during this worship service, you can. Our ushers are going to come up the aisles in both of our worship venues in just a moment. Please feel free to use one of the ones that they've got, and you can just put it on the shelf in the back of either of our worship venues after the worship service today. We started a new sermon series last week called Juggling is for Clowns acknowledging as we start a new year and as many of us are taking stock of the things in our lives and planning for this next year, that many of us are juggling quite a few things in our lives. And one thing we began to talk about last week that I want to review with you here is in the process of juggling things in our lives, sometimes when we're juggling just one thing at a time, well, I hardly call that juggling, right? You can pay attention to one ball at a time. You will not often drop it. It spends a lot of time in each one of your hands and it is under your control. But not many of us are really doing only one thing at a time. Probably some of the most fruitful things we do happen when we only do one thing at a time, but we don't do it a lot. A lot of us believe that we are multitasking. We are doing at least two things at the same time. So we're tossing these things, we're keeping two balls in the air at the same time, and that's a big transition from one thing. But a lot of us have learned to make it. It's difficult. We pay less attention to each thing that we're doing. Our attention is divided. And the balls that we're juggling are less under our control because they spend a little less time in each of our hands. But honestly, most of us aren't even just juggling two things, right? A lot of us are juggling three and more things in life, and we're keeping them all in the air at the same time, and they're flying around, and our attention is divided. We can't pay attention to just one thing all the time, or we will drop it. And the balls that we are juggling, the things that we're keeping in the air in our lives, spend very little time in each of our hands. We have to just throw them back up just the same way every time. They are rarely well-directed or under our control. The danger is that we drop things when we begin to juggle them, but the danger isn't only that we drop things that are our responsibilities and our tasks, that's dangerous enough, but we also juggle in our relationships. And so I've invited my friend Jeff Montgomery to come up here with me right now. I thought it'd be fun if we would illustrate for you how dangerous it can be when we juggle in our relationships. See? He can do it by himself. I can do it by myself. Would you like to see what goes wrong when you juggle in your relationships? It looks something like this. There, you do it for a little while. Not bad, huh? Jeff is a talented guy. Now, when you're juggling in your relationships, wow, nice, yeah. I didn't drop it all. We've never done that before. When you're juggling in your relationships, it helps when both of you are moving at the same rhythm and you both know what you're trading to the other person at the right time and which balls you're juggling, but shoot, it doesn't always work that way. Then it's a big mess. I think we're going to try that one more time. There we go. All right. Try one more time. Because the temptation when you're juggling in your relationships is you don't even know which balls you're supposed to be keeping in the air. <laughs> happens every time. All right. Hey, can we give a hand to Jeff? Thank him for coming up here. Thank you, Jeffrey. For those of you who don't know Jeff, he is the executive administrator at our church, and I promise that our work relationship is nothing like that. It's really a lot more well-managed than that. I know that we are all juggling in our relationships. I know we're all juggling in the various responsibilities that we're trying to manage in our lives. One of the ways that I know this, and I think we all know it, is by the way that we talk and describe our lives. 
I think I've said part of this to you before. I want to press it a little farther today. Have you ever noticed how busy is the new fine, right? So when you ask somebody how they're doing, most people will lie to you and tell you that they're fine. It's probably not true, but that's what we say. But after that, now we've started to tell the truth. How are you? I'm fine. I'm just busy right now. So how are you? I'm busy. Except we don't all, busy isn't even enough. We have to be crazy busy. How are you? Oh, I'm just crazy busy right now. It's a crazy busy season of life right now. And we think this is limited to this time that we're living in right now. It's just a crazy time right now, we tell ourselves. It's about to get better. We're lying again, right? It's a crazy busy time of year right now. It's the month of January. It's the start of a new year. All kinds of new things are starting. We're beginning some new ministries in the church family. Maybe new things are starting up in your business. Maybe you're trying to recover from Christmas. You're trying to pay the bills. You're opening a new year for yourself or, or in your workplace. I mean, January is the beginning of a whole new year. It's a crazy busy time of year. We just have to understand that. What happened right before January? Huh? It was Christmas, right? And the whole month of December, and the period leading up to Christmas has traditionally been called by Christians Advent. But in the larger world that we live in, we call that season shopping, right? And it's a crazy busy time of year. December is terrible. We're planning for events and holiday parties. We're hosting people. We're going places. It's a very busy time around here. December leading up to Christmas is a crazy busy time of year. It's just a busy time. You have to wait for December to be over. But do you remember what happened before December? It was fall, right? Everything was starting all over again. If you have kids, it was the start of a school year, new programs, all kinds of things were launching in, our, in the life of our church family together, new activities in the community centers around. I mean, September is just a crazy busy time of year. It's just that time, right? Do you remember what happened before September? It was the summer. Man, summer is just a crazy busy time of year, isn't it? I mean, people are traveling and planning vacations, and there's a change in schedule. There's different, vaca different vacations, different plans. If you have kids, they're off school. You hardly know what to do with the change. That's just a crazy busy time of year. It's just the time of year, right? Probably not. Our lives are crazy busy. We're juggling so many things, more than we have capacity for. And we tell ourselves it's about to get better. But it's probably not about to get better just because of the time of year. A lot of us need some pruning in our lives. And this is what we've been learning from the passage, from the teaching of Jesus that we began to reflect on last week, that we read again today, and that we're going to read one more time next week. And just to get that passage back in our minds again, I want to review the opening verses of that passage with you. So it's in the Gospel of John, chapter 15. If you want to read along with me, it's John 15, chapter 1. And if you have one of the Quest Bibles from our worship venues here, it's on page 1579, I think, if that makes it a little bit easier to find. Here's Jesus talking to His disciples. In John 15, 1, He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. So He's kind of getting the relationship set up. Jesus is the vine. God is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit He prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Now let's just 
remember this passage here for a minute. We have a little diagram, a little shape that we put together to help us remember the activities of the vine and the branches. And so you'll see a little semicircle here with a pendulum swinging through the semicircle. And over on the right side of that diagram, you'll see seasons. The pendulum sometimes swings into times of growing and bearing fruit. In the passage that we read, this seems to be what God hopes will happen, what Jesus wants to see in our lives, that we would bear much fruit. But, we, but the pendulum doesn't always swing into seasons of growing and bearing fruit. Sometimes we'll be in a season of pruning. And you can see that the, the pendulum is on pruning this week. This is what we're going to talk about today. Sometimes we also, we also, the pendulum will swing into seasons of remaining and abiding. Now, it's probably not ever helpful for a branch to be cut off from the vine, but there are some seasons when we're getting away from our emphasis on fruit bearing and away from pruning, and we're able to do what we always do, and that is to abide or remain in the vine. And that in this passage is really the only thing that Jesus actually ever tells us to do. He doesn't tell us to prune ourselves. He doesn't ever tell us to bear fruit. He says, you will bear fruit if you remain in me. But the only thing he ever actually says is remain in me or abide, and a kind of more traditional word for that, remain or abide in me. And as part of this series, if you were traveling last week or weren't able to be here, I'd encourage you to go to our website, go to flcwb.org, and check out last week's message. I think it's really the important heart of this message series, starting with what Jesus told us to do, to to remain or abide in Him. But today we're going to talk about a season of pruning. Now, from the middle of this passage, Jesus said just a very short little thing about pruning. He says that every branch that bears fruit, my Father, the gardener, prunes so that it will bear more fruit. Now, let me make a couple opening observations with you here, and then I want to dig into what I think is the most important insight that Jesus offers us here. The first two observations to get started with are these. Pruning is something that God does. This is a God-driven activity in our lives. This is important to understand that I'm not just talking to you, and we're not just reflecting on some sort of self-improvement process. We're not just talking about some tips for self-maximization or something like that. Some of those strategies can be helpful, some of them not, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about actually what is God up to in our lives. And we are invited here, as God works to prune in our lives, to cooperate, to, to receive and to cooperate with what God is doing in our lives. And of course, we can choose to be uncooperative with what God is doing in our lives, Some of you may have had children or ever been around parents and children. You know there are cooperative moments and there are uncooperative moments, right? Same thing in our lives with our Heavenly Father. We can choose to be cooperative with what God is doing in our lives, or we can choose to be uncooperative with what God is doing in our lives. The first thing to notice is this is a God-driven process. The second thing that I want you to see is that pruning is for the sake of fruit. Pruning is not punishment. Pruning is not about becoming less. It's not about becoming less of a person, making less of an impact in God's world. It's not about bearing less fruit. Jesus quite specifically says God prunes in our lives so that we will bear more fruit, right? God wants there to be abundant fruitfulness in our lives. Jesus leads us toward fruitfulness. I think we all pretty much want to bear much fruit in life, but we get tripped up. We think that the road to more is labeled more. But sometimes the road to more takes off from the path to less. Sometimes the road to more takes off from the path to less. It involves a little bit of pruning. But I don't want you to think of pruning as ultimately a negative activity. Pruning is ultimately a positive activity for the sake of fruit in our lives. 
Now, I think if we have kind of those parameters, we're able to take a look at the central thing, the, cent- the central part of the image that Jesus uses to describe pruning to us. And to understand this pruning, we need to understand the word that Jesus uses for pruning. When Jesus says, my father prunes the branches so they'll bear even more fruit, he uses kind of an unusual word for that. The word that's translated as pruning is also translated elsewhere in the Bible as cleaning or cleansing or purifying, which you can probably get a sense for that word picture. You know, if you've ever seen an overgrown vine and you prune it, you're kind of cleaning it up. But the way that Jesus uses that word is an unusual way to use it. It's There's no other ancient text that anybody that I know of has ever found in my research on this that uses this word in quite the same way. And I think that's because of the wordplay that Jesus builds in the next line, right? He says, my father prunes so so that it will bear much fruit. And the next thing Jesus says almost sounds like he switched topics, but he hasn't. The next thing Jesus says is, you are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Now, I think when we think about this context where Jesus was with his first disciples and he's talking to them about being clean, you know, he's probably not talking to them, first of all, about their time management practices, right? He's not talking to them about their day timers or their calendars or their approach to multitasking. I don't think they probably knew any of those words. (laughs) Jesus was talking to his disciples about the sin in their lives. He was talking to them about those attitudes, choices, behaviors, actions, relationships that are dishonoring to God, disobedient to God's will in the world, that break down our love of God and our love of one another. And God doesn't want that to continue in their lives or ours. And Jesus says, God prunes those things out of our lives so that more fruit can grow. Pruning is for the sake of fruit. When these things are present in our lives, they cut off our connection to the vine. They lead us away from the vine, and it's abiding in the vine that makes us fruitful. God wants to prune those things in our lives for the sake of our fruitfulness. When I was reading this passage, I mean, I was reminded of lots of seasons of this in my own life. One in particular that came right to mind for me because of the feeling of fruitlessness that I remember experiencing as as this sort of season of pruning in my life came during the time when I was a university student at a university in Germany. During my college years, I studied abroad for one semester at the University of Freiburg in southwestern Germany. Some of you have heard me tell some stories from there before. That was a really fruit-withering time of my life, honestly. I was pulled up from the Christian community that I was a part of back home, and I was a fairly young Christian. I'd been a Christian for a few years at that point, I think. And I moved to a new place, and I didn't really form any sense of new Christian community, people who were strengthening me or that I was building into that I could pray with or share life with at a deep level, level of my faith and discipleship to Jesus. I never found while I was there, for the whole four months that I was there, I never found a a church nearby, though they were there. I just never made myself a part of one where I would go and worship on Sunday and hear God's Word taught and be a part of worship and prayer and the sacraments. I didn't spend much time or energy in my life doing any abiding. I wasn't trying to strengthen my relationship with God. The time that I might have spent on that, I invested additional time in clubs and bars and things like that. Those were my priorities. I started dating a girl who wasn't a Christian either, and that wasn't particularly good for me. It was like everything I was doing was helping me walk farther away from the vine instead of abiding and remaining in the vine. And this not only made me fruitless, 
it made me feel fruitless too. I knew it. I could tell that I was withering, although I didn't know what to call it. And I remember staying in touch with friends back home, and I remember walking over to the computer lab, because in those days you didn't have email on your phone, your tablet, your laptop, and you know, like everywhere else you went. You actually had to watch a computer lab. I know some of you remember life before computers, but this is ancient enough for others of us. So I had to walk to the ancient computer lab uh, on the campus at the university, and I sent an email back to a friend, and I just remember saying, you know, I don't, I don't feel right. Something's wrong with me. And I don't know what it is. I'm not like, in danger or anything, but something's wrong here. And I said, I, th- I, I wrote in my email, I think I just need to regain my focus. You know, I just need more focus in life. And I went back to the computer lab again the next day and uh, got an email back from this friend. And he said, uh, he said you know, I, I don't know what's going on with you right now, and I don't really know what you need. I'm not there, but I'll tell you what you don't need. You don't need more focus. You're like the most focused individual I've ever known. You probably need something else, but it's not focus. And he's right. I didn't need focus. I needed pruning, right? I needed pruning of the rotten, withering, poisonous, unproductive, sinful growth in my life. And maybe that's the case. Maybe right here in this sense of pruning is where some of you are encountering this passage too, where you know that in your life right now there are choices, actions, relationships, attitudes, behaviors that are dishonoring to God, that are not helping you grow in your love for God, that are not helping you grow in your love for one another. They're leading you away from the experience of grace for acknowledged sin. They're leading you away from love of God and love of neighbor. They're very successful in helping you take steps backward as a follower of Jesus Christ. And the truth is, as Jesus speaks to us in this passage, that we have the blessing of growing in the garden of an incredibly gracious gardener. We are growing in the garden of a gardener who is ready and willing and eager to forgive us for all that nasty growth and poisonous shoots and fruit that we have put forth that's breaking our own hearts and hurting the people around us. And God, the gardener, is ready to meet us in exactly the way that we have grown just where we are. And God wants to prune that stuff out of our lives because God doesn't want us to wither. He doesn't want us to shrivel. He doesn't want bitterness in our lives or the fruit that we bear. God wants to prune those things out of our lives so that we can have life, and as Jesus also says in a passage nearby, so that we can have life abundantly. Now, I imagine as I describe that, probably there's something on your heart. Maybe God is nudging your heart about something right now, and you get to respond to this passage by asking yourself, maybe by listening to God's nudging in your life. Am am I going to cooperate with that pruning, or am I going to be uncooperative with that pruning? And I think as we understand the spiritual heart of what Jesus is saying about pruning in this sense, then I think we're in a position where we can fruitfully, pardon the pun, where we can fruitfully apply this message also to the juggling that we experience in our lives. Because I think the same thing can happen. When we're juggling so many things in our lives, it also tends to thin out our connection to the vine. It tends to work against our abiding and our remaining, and it withers the fruit in our lives also. To illustrate the parallel between these things, I want to share with you a couple of words, a couple sentences out of an old traditional confession of sin that Christians have used in traditional patterns of worship. And it's very similar to the one actually that we use each week and use today here in our traditional worship service. Not exactly the same words, but I think you'll recognize the similarity. I'm going to tell you what it is, and then in just a minute we'll put it on the screen, and I'm going to invite you to read it with me. In fact, at that point we'll read it two times. The confession says, We have done the things we ought not to have done, and we have not done the things we ought to have done. 
probably that makes a little bit of sense. Let's, what I want to do right now is invite you to read it with me two times. And the first time that we, re- we read it through, just go ahead and think in terms of, you know, plain and simple sin and disobedience in our lives. And the second time we read it through, I want you to think about how those words actually apply more to our time management, to the tasks and the relationships and the priorities in our lives to which we give time and energy. And I think you'll see how those things can be related. So let's read this contemporary also, traditional. Let's all read this out loud together. We have done those things which we ought not to have done, and we have not done those things which we ought to have done. And now let's read that together a second time, and let's do, now let's think about the priorities, relationships, time in which we invest our juggling lives. We have done those things which we ought not to have done, and we have not done those things which we ought to have done. If you're anything like me, you've got priorities and time management and commitment things that are coming to mind for you. And this doesn't mean that there's no place for recreation, that there's no place for games or fun or rest in life, for goodness sake. Last week we talked about abiding, and one important piece of abiding is rest. There's time for that. But sometimes we find ourselves so distracted, so committed to the things that aren't really God's priorities in our lives that we don't really do the things that God is calling us to do. I imagine those kinds of decisions are coming into your mind and your heart even now. I want to give you some tools to think about this. So in both of our worship venues, again, if you have your worship bulletin nearby, would you grab that worship bulletin? And in the middle of the worship bulletin, as there is every week, there is a community group study guide in there. That's the study guide that most of our community groups use here. It's, our, it's based on the passages every week that we read in our sermons. We also have other topical community groups, uh, but this is the one that most of our community groups use. It's there in our worship bulletin every week. And on the front this week are some tools to help you think about the pruning that God might be wanting to do in your life and to give you some opportunity to do some discerning of that. And so the first box on that page, and if you want, you can make some notes on there even right now, or you can make some notes later in the service or later today, or just use that tool. The first box up there asks, you know, what are the commitments in my life or our life, our shared life together? And I realize that as you're making an inventory of all the things that you're committed to, that that box is probably not big enough. You're going to need like additional forms, right? But you can start there and just a way of taking stock of what are the commitments in my life. And the second, are these boxes really on your study guide? I see some confused faces out there. They're there? Okay, good. All right. The second box on your study guide there says, what am I called to invest in? Now, this is beginning to preview next week, actually. What's the fruit that I think God is wanting to grow in my life? What are the priorities for which, for the sake of which, I might cooperate with God in pruning something else? Because before you think about just cutting stuff, you want to know why. you got to have a reason, right? And then in that bottom box there is an opportunity to begin to think about what are the things that God wants to prune in my life? And just to be very practical about it, some things you probably could begin to prune right away. Maybe there are some things that you know, this has got to go. And there are other things that out of respect for other people or the commitments that you're already in, maybe it's going to take a little bit of time before you're able to prune that if it's something you feel like God wants to prune in your life. So maybe you can divide those up a little bit into things that are low-hanging fruit, again, if you will, and things that are going to be a little bit harder to reach. Now, as you're thinking about that, I want to leave you with a closing illustration. I am not much of a gardener. In fact, I have killed way more plants in life than I have ever raised successfully. And I went to do a little bit of research on gardening and on pruning so that I would understand this metaphor a little bit better. 
and I ran across several videos of good pruning practices. And I found one actually put out by the Department of Agriculture at the University of Kentucky. Hopefully the Kentuckians are good farmers or else this will be a little suspicious, but it seems good to me. I want to share it with you because the woman in this video who is giving a clinic in pruning shares some things about pruning plants that were really very stimulating for me to think about the way that God might be doing some pruning in my life. It's about a minute and a half or two minutes of excerpts from this video. I want to share it with you and I'll come back out and wrap us up. Let's roll that video right now. And what we're really trying to accomplish is to get our fruiting wood, which is one-year-old wood, as close to the cordon as possible. Um, the reason why is you can see here this kind of gray wood. This is an older wood and it hasn't been pruned back enough. And so you can see here that this lighter colored wood, which is going to be our fruiting wood for this year, is all the way up here at our very top catch wire. When you prune the vine, you're pretty much just injuring it. And so when you prune back really hard like this, it's going to trigger the vine to produce a lot more shoots. Inside this cordon will be something called latent buds. They're just kind of sitting there waiting for a reason to come out. So when I cut back on it this hard, I am probably going to trigger latent buds to come out of this vine. So we'll see some buds probably coming out here, here, here. You can see where they're most likely going to come out, but they won't come out until I prune them back this hard and injure it like this. And you might be wondering, um, pruning it back this severely will most likely affect your crop level this year. Um, so this would be kind of a, a vineyard renovation type deal. And it most likely will affect your crop this year, but it will definitely, um, you'll definitely see the bene benefits in the year after. So That one phrase there at the end really captured my imagination. This is more of a vineyard renovation project. I know there's some opportunity for vineyard renovation among us. And maybe especially in this video, some take-home points, some illustrations that struck home with me. I was forced to realize that random, uncontrolled growth is not necessarily the most fruitful growth in any of our lives. That sometimes as we're looking at the random, uncontrolled growth and doing some pruning, it's important to prioritize the new fruiting wood that has begun to shoot and is ready to bear new fruit. And sometimes there's some old things in our lives, some old growth, some old wood that might need to be trimmed out. And I think it's important to recognize that it doesn't mean the things that are long-standing in our lives, the life of our community, always need to be trimmed out. Those can sometimes be the strongest, most nourishing parts of our lives also. But with discernment, sometimes we recognize that that which God used in the past to bear fruit on our branches may not be where he's calling us to bear fruit anymore. Maybe we need to pay attention to the new fruiting wood that God is growing in our lives. There may even, in fact, and I, I love this, be latent buds right there in the cordon, right there in the vine that are just waiting to spring forth and to bear much fruit in our lives. But we don't see them, and they won't really begin to bear fruit in our lives until our lives are injured, until we are pruned, and that can be a difficult process. But finally, when there's room for them to grow, all of a sudden the new shoots, the new latent buds become shoots of fruiting wood. And I think for me, probably the biggest obstacle to pruning in my life is what she said at the end. 
I just want to acknowledge, I want to warn you, this will probably affect your crop level this year, she said. I think that's why we talk about this semicircle, this pendulum in terms of a rhythm and seasons. Maybe this is a, a pruning season. And it might be that things that are semi-fruitful, that are producing little bits of fruit in your life right now are ready to be pruned back for the sake of new growth and for God growing much fruit in our lives. But maybe as we prune those old branches back, it's a season before the new branches are ready for a full harvest, for a full crop. Maybe we're in a season, maybe you are in a season of pruning right now to prepare for an abundant fruitfulness that God wants to bring in your lives. I want to encourage you to use the tools that are in your study guide to reflect on this passage today, to ask prayerfully how God is leading you in your life. And I want to remind you by way of closing that pruning is for the sake of fruit. I think pruning probably strengthens abiding. Abiding is what Jesus tells us to do. And the goal of the whole thing is that we would bear much fruit as disciples of Jesus. Let's just pray together for wisdom and guidance. Father in heaven, we give you thanks for the teaching of Jesus and the work of your Spirit in our lives. And God, we pray that you would give us wisdom, that you would open our eyes to your call in our life, that you would cut out those things that are unhealthy and unholy and destructive in our lives that lead us away from you. And God, lead us ever closer to you, strengthen our connection to you, nourish us like branches on the vine. And God, I pray that you would make each of us as individuals, and I pray that you would make all of us together as a church family to bear much fruit, to be a blessing, to bring glory to you, to feed and to bless your world. Lord, we pray as we live in Jesus' name. Amen.